Oh, that's good. Uh, if you didn't hear, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Nathan. Uh, some people were just saying, good morning, Nathan. So that's who I am. But it's great to be here with you guys today. I do have some crazy news. We're like almost halfway through July already. That's just crazy to me. Also, we're almost done with this series. I know, right? But before you start crying, just, you know, just relax. We have a few more weeks of it, but we are coming to the close of this series. And I thought it'd be kind of fun as we are talking about series, maybe going on to a new series, to talk about a series that just came out and also just ended. And if you know anything about me, you know I love Star Wars. Right? Star Wars is just so fun and it's amazing. And honestly, I really loved this series. And some critics kind of go like, well, you know, it's just kind of just depressing, you know? Well, if you know Star Wars, you know that 10 years before this show, the main character, Obi-Wan, thinks he killed his Padawan, which is like his apprentice, right? So, of course, the mood's going to be a little depressing. What did you want? Him, like, jumping on rocks and being happy? Like, of course he's going to be depressed. But we find Obi-Wan has cut himself off from the Force in this. And for those of you who are like, what the freak is Nathan talking about? The first thing I need to say is Star Wars is fantasy. It's not real. I'm super sorry if somebody's like, no. We can talk about it after service. But the force in this fantasy world is around all living creatures. It's around all living things. It's around everything. And there are some force-sensitive people that can move things and do other things. There's plenty of other things that force users can use. But it's this powerful force within them. And Obi-Wan is one of these force-sensitive people. But in the show, at the very beginning, he's like, nope, I'm cutting myself off from the Force. And you can tell in his everyday life, in the first episode, he is just so sad. He doesn't trust anyone. He's just kind of just done. Like, he is just depressed about life. And yet within him, he has power to save people around him. Within him, he has a power that used to bring him so much joy and happiness. Now, for those of you who have been at church for a while, you know exactly where I'm going with this, right? We as Christians have a power within us that is so powerful. We have God within us, the Holy Spirit prompting us. And yet, in our faith walk, sometimes we cut ourselves off from it. And we really can only begin to understand God within us through the process of prayer. Because if God really is the creator of the universe, why wouldn't we pray to him? If he really created us with a power within us, why wouldn't we pray to him? If God is who he says he is, why don't we pray with confidence for healings? Why don't we pray for confidence for spiritual blessings? Why don't we pray that his word and his truth would be heard in the entire world? Because if that power is within us, why don't we open ourselves to it? And as I've looked at the verses we're going to look at today, I believe these verses point to that. 
that exact moment of saying, I will pray because God is the creator of the universe and I trust him and I trust the power he has put within me. That is what I noticed from these verses. That like Obi-Wan, we have an untapped resource within us that is unlocked through the power of prayer. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians 3. We're going to read the first five verses. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. And it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may, be, or may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we, we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Lord, as we jump into these verses, I pray that your truth would surround us, that your love would surround us, that despite what is happening throughout our week, that we would take this time to sit in your presence. Lord, I pray that we would be like the Thessalonians receiving this letter for the first time and reading Paul's words. Lord, I pray against the nerves that I'm feeling right now that God, that you would just speak today. Lord, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. We're going to take a look at all the verses closer, but we're going to start with verse 1. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. This is beautiful. Paul, an apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, well, a lot of the letters in the New Testament, is asking this brand new church of Thessalonians to pray for him. This is not common, right? You don't think of a juggernaut in the faith going, hey, brand new Christian, pray for me. And yet Paul shows humility here in saying, no, we as missionaries of the word of God need prayer. And I love that because Paul isn't just saying, yes, pray for me and my fellow missionaries. He's saying, pray that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. It's not even about them. It's about God's word being honored. And I love that he tags this little line at the end, as happened among you, which means the Thessalonians are a perfect example of this. And we remember back in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is like, Lord, help the Thessalonians believing you because, man, they're experiencing a lot of persecution. Help them believing you. Fast forward, 2 Thessalonians, Paul's like, wow, you guys are holding to the truth of Scripture. You guys are living out the commands we left with you. And so here Paul is saying, you are the example of this. Because even back then, and similar to our culture, 
The culture back then was pursuing lies, pleasure, other things that were consuming their time. And yet the Thessalonians went, we will no longer be consumed with these lies. We will pursue the truth of the word of God. And Paul is humble enough here to recognize that it's not about him, but it's about the spreading of the word of the Lord. It's about the word of the Lord being honored. And Paul also recognizes that it is our humble response to pray. See, prayer is a humble response coming before the creator of the universe to say, God, may you go into the hearts of people. May you go before me and transform the lives of my family, of my friends. Lord, may you go into my heart and transform me. And there is no shame or guilt in asking for prayer. None. In fact, when you ask for prayer, you are showing that you believe in the power of prayer. But my question is, what do you do when someone asks you to pray for them? And I'm definitely guilty of this, so this is not like Nathan is higher and mightier. No. We've all received a text or a phone call of somebody saying, hey, can you pray for me? And some of us, me included, have responded to that with, yeah, sure, bro, I got you. And then you put your phone down and you forget. You don't do anything. You don't pray. It's almost like you're like, yeah, me saying, yes, I did it, is the response that I should do. When in fact, that's literally a lie because you didn't even pray. What are we doing when people are asking us for prayer? I had a boss who demonstrated this so well that anytime somebody would come to him for prayer, he would recognize that it took confidence and humility for that person to come to him. And he would meet that confidence and humility with a prayer immediately. Now, I'm guilty of not doing that, but I believe we should do this. And I believe we should take steps to go, you know what, I got this text. I'm going to stop for the next 30 seconds and pray for this person. Because if God really is the God of the universe, why wouldn't we believe in the power of prayer? And the truth is that there is a brokenness in this world. There is evil, there is suffering, there is persecution. But there is also joy, there is also hope, there is also happiness. And we can come in whatever mood we are before God and rest our concerns or rest our happiness before him. And we can pray that the gospel will be heard, that it will be honored and it will transform people's lives. That is what Paul is trying to say here, is that despite anything, let's pray that the word of God is heard because the world is an evil place. As we see in the very next verse. Verse 2 says, And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Wicked and evil men. There are people who, when they hear the word of God, will mock it. There are people who, when they hear the truth of Jesus Christ, will meet it with violence. This is the truth of the world we live in. It may not be fully true where we live today, but it is true for our brothers and sisters across the world. That there are wicked and evil people in this world because guess what not everyone has 
faith. As Paul puts here, for not all have faith. William Barclay, a Scottish theologian, puts it this way. He says, the gospel is not selective. It goes out to every man, but the heart of man can refuse to respond. And that is the reality that this early church and we find ourselves in. They were persecuted. They were gossiped about. They were mocked. Families left because of a person's belief. This is what the early church experienced over and over and over again. And so when Paul asked for prayer about this, they know how it feels. Paul himself, in most of his letters, talks about how much he's suffering for the gospel. Goodness gracious, he was beaten almost to death. He was thrown in prison. And yet all these times he's like, cool, give me a piece of paper and a pen. I'm going to write a letter to love someone. And he just does it over and over again, even though he is beaten and broken. He says, my suffering will not stop because the word of God does not stop. But the truth of humanity is that early on, we decided to walk away from the truth to pursue a lie. We decided to give up what we believe was good and evil right in front of us to pursue, to define good and evil for ourselves. And the craziest part about that, even today, is that people will kill to protect their lie. And I don't believe Paul here is saying that we should hate evil people. I actually think what he's saying here is it's not even about them. It's about the word of the Lord being heard. It's about the word of the Lord transforming the hearts of humanity. That is what needs to be heard. Because the truth is behind all wickedness, behind all evil, is the father of lies. The father of deceit. The evil one that clouds even our judgment in this room. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And only God has the power to break lies and change the hearts of man. And we live in a time where slander and gossip and just like people just destroy the word of God all the time. I know I just talked about a Disney series with Obi-Wan, but if you actually watch Disney movies, the villains quote scripture. The word of God is not respected in our culture at all. And the truth is that we spend more time focusing, watching, listening to, and consuming those lies than we do on our hands and knees before the Lord praying. Let me say that again. The truth is we spend more time focusing, watching, and consuming those lies than we do reading the word of God, than we do meditating on the word of God, than we do sitting before the God of the universe and asking for us to experience his love. But despite all of that, as Paul tells the Thessalonians, the Lord is faithful. As verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 
So despite even our evil in this room, the Lord is still faithful. And that's a beautiful thing to hear that, to go, yes, despite even my own evil, God is still faithful. In fact, he's so faithful that he establishes us and he guards us against the evil one. Paul writes this here to change the focus from prayer to encouragement. He wants to remind the Thessalonians that, guess what? You will experience persecution, but there is a God that is establishing you. There is a God that is guarding you from the evil one. And there's some speculation about what the evil one here could mean. It could mean, you know, just this bigger view of evil in the world. But I choose to believe that, no, this is the devil. This is the father of lies. And the reason it's here is because Paul wants his readers, which includes us, to know that in spite of the father of lies, God will guard you. That God is still faithful despite all the lies that we hear, despite the media around us. God is still faithful. And yet we see that in Scripture as well. Paul here is saying that the church... And the word of God will never fail. Now, people within the church will fail. And they do often. That's why it's important to pray. And we see that actually throughout scripture as well. We see people from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end of Revelations. They hear the word of God and they go, Cool, I believe that, but I'm actually going to continue doing my own thing. Or they go, all right, we're the chosen people of God, so we get to do whatever we want now. It's almost as if people are using God for their own advantage, for their own gains. And yet, despite all that evil, God is going, you know what? I am faithful. And we see that throughout Scripture over and over and over again, we as humanity fall apart. We pursue evil. And God goes, you know what? Despite all of that, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to be faithful to my word. And that is why we pray. That's why we meet here on Sundays to sing songs to a God that is faithful, to worship him for what he has done and what he is continuing to do. But are we willing to sit with him and be renewed? Are we willing to sit with him and pray and say, God, you have our lives. Help us resist the devil and submit to you. And some of us in this room need to hear that clearly. And so if you have your Bibles, this will not be on the screen because I want you to know where this verse is in your Bible. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to James 4. We're going to look at verses 7 and 8. James 4, 7 and 8 say this. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That happens through prayer. The devil is real. 
and he is the father of lies and deceit. But Jesus is the prince of peace. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God points to Jesus. It points us to the fact that we can be confident in what God is doing in our hearts, despite the lies of the world, despite what the devil is doing. We can be confident in who God has created us to be. Just like Paul was confident in the Thessalonians. In verse 4, we see Paul say, And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. And I love the fact that it's confidence in the Lord. <laughs> because Paul recognizes that the hearts of man kind of, you know, sometimes suck. But the Lord is faithful. The Lord is the one that continues a good work in us despite us. And I love that he also adds this part about the commands that we left you. What are those commands? They are commands to not be idle. Don't be lazy and wait for the day of the Lord. Actually live out your faith. To love God, love others. And then the third command, what Mark brought up last week, is keep the traditions. Do these things to remember who God is. And Paul was confident that the Thessalonians would continue to grow in these ways. It's kind of like this. Isn't it really cool when you see somebody walking out their faith? Like sometimes we're kind of shocked by it and we put it on social media. We're like, oh my gosh, this person like fed the homeless. Oh my gosh, this person like prayed at this at their school like we love these stories right we love them so much we're shocked when people are actually living out their faith why why are we shocked by these things god calls all of us to love god and love others and yet we're shocked when some people do it that makes no sense to me now i'm not saying that we don't come alongside those people and say good job. I'm not saying that we don't promote it. What I'm saying is why are we so shocked when it happens? Because if we're really praying for the love of God to fill us, it should be our natural instinct to love. It should be our natural instinct to do things in this world that shock people. But the only way to do that is through the power of prayer. It's through asking God to transform your own heart to be like his heart. And Paul recognizes that. And in verse 5, we see him do this little prayer. He says, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And I love this, this little paragraph at the beginning of 2 Thessalonians 3. We see at the beginning, Paul say, pray for us. And then immediately he practices what he preaches. It may not be obvious in the context, but right here in verse 5, Paul starts a prayer. And a prayer for what? For the hearts of the Thessalonians to love, for, to focus on the love of God, and to be steadfast like Christ. And the heart is mentioned here because the heart is the very core of the human. It's the very core of our being. It's who we truly, truly are. And John Stott looks at this verse, and he says this. John Stott says, Paul's prayer is that the Lord will lead the Thessalonians into a love like God's love and a patience or constancy 
like Christ. The context suggests that they will then express their love and patience in their obedience. Paul is confident that this is what the Thessalonians will do. And I believe he's confident that that is what we will do. And I love what William Barclay says about this verse, and I mentioned William Barclay earlier. He looks at this verse and he sees something. He goes, oh my goodness, this is a prayer. But Paul recognizes the inward and outward characteristics of Christianity. The inward characteristics is a focus on the love of God. The outward characteristics is a steadfastness or apprenticeship to Jesus. And as we grow in our awareness of God's love, as we sit before him in prayer and we understand that how much he loves us, that despite our sin, despite our shame, despite our guilt, he sent his son to die for us. He created the entire universe and he chose to create you. That is love. As we focus on that love, it changes our heart posture towards the world. It changes our heart posture towards people. This inward change changes us so much that it becomes an outward expression. Just like Jesus. Jesus, any time before he would give a big sermon or do a massive time of healing, he would sit with his father. He would withdraw and he would sit and he would pray and he would pray and he would pray and he'd be filled and then he would come out, heal people, give the Sermon on the Mount. And I love Mark's version of this in the Gospels because then it's like, he did this, immediately he would retreat and pray. It's so quick, but then you begin to read the Gospels and you begin to understand that God and Jesus had this unique relationship that is actually available to all of us if we are willing to sit with God if we are willing to go into a silent spot and just pray for the God of the universe to fill us with love so that we can step out in confidence and faith and love the people around us. This is what Jesus did. Because if we grow in our awareness of God's love and we become steadfast like Jesus, we become a beacon of light and love and truth to this world. And this is what all these verses point to. Look at them. Paul starts by saying, pray for us. Pray for the missionaries. Pray for the pastors. We need it. Pray for us. Pray that the word of God would speed ahead and be honored. It's about the word being heard. Pray against evil men. Pray that they will hear the word of God and be changed. Pray that we are faithful because the Lord is so faithful. Pray that we know that God establishes us and guards us against evil because the devil is real. Pray that we can be confident that God is doing and will continue to do his good work in us. And pray that the Lord will direct our hearts to the love of God and that we would become steadfast like Jesus. We must learn to sit with God and grow like Jesus. And this process, it takes time. But even in this process, no matter what persecution, mockery, or anything we hear, we can focus on that power within us. And I think, honestly, that's why I really admired the Obi-Wan show. Because at the beginning of this show, 
Obi-Wan, who's a Jedi, is being hunted. Jedis are being killed. And he is literally going through persecution. And he is broken. But then throughout the show, you begin to recognize that he's opening himself back up to the Force. He begins to gain wisdom. He begins to gain his strength. And he begins to gain hope. And like Obi-Wan, we must gain recognition of and sit with the power within us, the power of the love of God that transformed our lives and that can lead us to love the people around us, but that must happen through prayer. N.T. Wright, in a very small commentary, says this. He says, what will break the hidden chains and set the word of the Lord free to run and be glorified? The answer is not a pastor. The answer is not an evangelist. The answer is prayer to the God of the universe. That is what changes the world. And I know Creekside, I often, when I'm up here, I end my sermons by saying kind of the same thing. I say, what would it look like, Creekside, if we were a church known for our love of God and our love of people? Once again, Creekside Church, what would it look like if we were known for our love of God and our love of people? But I also wonder, Creekside, what would it look like if we had confidence in our prayers? What would it look like if we truly believed that when we prayed for healing in someone's life, that the God of the universe was hearing it, that he could act through that act of prayer? What would it look like if we truly believed that prayer changed lives? My challenge for you as we close out the sermon is do not go another day without praying for the love of God to fill your heart. Don't go another day without sitting before God and putting whatever is going on in your life, whether it's good or bad, before him and saying, God, as I step into this next situation, may your love fill me so I can love the people around me. May your word, the truth of your word, go out into the entire world and change the hearts of man. Creekside Church, do not let another day go by without spending time with your creator. And let's lead by example right now by spending some time in prayer just sitting before the God of love. So Lord, Thank you for the opportunity to speak these words to my family here. Lord, I pray that your truth would reign in our hearts, that your truth would sit with us, that we would gain confidence, that we would not be scared to pray for someone who comes to us asking for prayer, that we would not be scared to ask somebody to pray for us. Because we believe in your power. We believe in your love. We believe that people can transform because of your word. We believe, Lord, that you are the king of kings and you are the Lord of lords. And we believe that as we pursue you, or as we draw near to you, as James says, you draw near to us. Lord, I pray that another day would not go by without us just sitting before your loving hands. 
Lord, I pray that we would resist the lies that are all around us and run after the truth of your word and the truth of your son. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.